our family worshiping Jesus together. Um, we, we have this awesome privilege where we get to get together and, and the Lord in a special way meets with us. And I'm so thankful for that. Thanks for uh, joining in in prayer and the messiness that church brings together. And um, I trust that some of you have been prayed over for specific things this morning that God wanted you to be prayed over this morning. And, and looking forward to hearing perhaps even testimonies of that in the days to come. And, and maybe God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a step further. Maybe after we're done in this room here today, God would have you share what you prayed for the person on your left or right. Uh, don't chicken out of that. That can be a real great encouragement to someone. Um, so thanks for be, being a part of that. We're going to get into the word this morning. Uh, God has spoken to us in his written word as he has spoken to us, um, has spoken to the church uh, throughout generations. And, and it, this morning is going to be no different. But as we get set to do that, I just want to pray and I want to set our hearts in the, in the right place to receive from his word this morning. So if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you. We thank you for your good and great promises that we can boldly approach the throne of grace because of the work of Jesus. And God, this morning as we get into your word, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would highlight the word to us. Your word promises that, Holy Spirit, you will lead us into all truth and that our thoughts are not your thoughts. So we ask today, we ask for your thoughts, for your truth. We ask that our hearts would be humbled before the holy God, whose words these are, and that we would come along and give you glory for who you are and what you've done, and that we would learn what it is to relate with you in an even deeper way this morning, no matter where we're at. Lord, we thank you for this word, and I pray that you would speak, Lord, for your servants who are listening. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, and I'm going to say it again, as you should bring your Bibles with you, um, it's not like uh, I'm looking at you condemning you if you didn't bring a Bible, but bring a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible and you want to just sneak back, nobody will look sideways at you. There's some ESV Bibles that's the same translation as this. If you have good eyesight, the writing's pretty small in those ones. You can grab those and... Um, and uh, otherwise, there will be scripture on the screen, um, but I, I love if you're familiar with this book. We're going to read this morning, uh, as we've been doing for the, a few weeks now, we're going to continue in just a bunch of random psalms for the summer. Uh, in prayer a while ago, I felt the Lord gave me some specific psalm numbers to go through the summer, and so that's what we're doing, and um, I, I was... The Psalms can be surprising. I was surprised at some of the Psalms that we're going to be jumping into, and I'm really excited about it because it's God's word. So Psalm 42 is where we're headed today. Psalms, basically, if you crack the Bible in the, in the middle, if you're still looking around roughly in there, you'll find Psalm 42. And so we're going to read that together today. I still, still hear pages, so I'll just wait a moment. All right, Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? 
My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down? O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That's the word of the Lord to us today. And uh, some of you are surprised. This isn't North America happy, happy-go-lucky preachy stuff here. Um, but this is the word of God to us this morning. And so as we get into this... Um, I want to explain yet again that the Psalms, in a very special way, um, see, not all of the Bible, not all of the books or sections of the Bible, we read the same way. The Psalms are, are different. Parts of the Bible, we see story, and it teaches us about the people of God and the way that and we see the ways that God relates with those people. There is also prophetic words where it it's, gives us promises for the future. Oh, sorry. Can we go back to the beginning of those verses, please? Uh, I think I got it, actually. I got distracted when I looked at the screen. Um, we, we see parts in the Bible where there is theology written out to the letters of the churches. And then we see in the Psalms and we see in other parts of the Bible where there's this poetry. That's what it is. It's poetry. These are the songs and the and the heart cry and the praises and the laments of God's people. That's what the Psalms are. And we learned uh, in Psalm chapter 1 that these Psalms are, are, are songs and prayers and praises of the righteous, the people that belong to God. That's what this is for. So as we consider this Psalm this morning, not every Psalm will speak to you in the season that you're in or in the circumstance that you're in today. But chances are, at some point in your life, you will be able to say the same words or similar words as what we've just read in this psalm. Sometimes in your life, the blessings are abounding and overflowing and you feel them and you just need to praise. And I think that's the common uh, Praise and worship is the common base level of a believer, but sometimes if we're honest and we admit it, we don't feel like it. But sometimes you feel like it, right? So let's, let's just, you can take a deep breath and everybody can admit that sometimes you don't feel like it. 
okay? There, just take a breath and admit that. Now, this psalm, we see someone, and we read of someone who is giving a a heart-wrenching cry out to God and speaking to himself because he is in deep suffering, he is in deep struggle, and he is in a deep place of, honestly, I would call it a spiritual depression. He's, he's struggling. He's really struggling. And I would say every single person who ever lived will go through seasons of deep struggling, of feeling down spiritually and wondering and questioning and wondering what's going on. So before we just kind of walk through this psalm for ourselves this morning, I want to give us just a little bit of context as to some of the words that this psalmist uses and why he uses uh, these, kind of, these kind of explanations, okay? So the original author's situation, if you, if you look down um, at verse 6, he says, his, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. So Mount Hermon or Hermon, however you say it, I don't know how to say it, I'm not from there. We'll say Mount Hermon because it's English and it's easier. Um, so Mount Hermon is in modern day Lebanon. So if you're picturing, um, if you're picturing there's, there's a map of Israel, Jerusalem's down in the south somewhere. Now way up north is where Mount Hermon is. And now, we have the wonderful privilege as followers of Jesus that God is, is present and with us wherever we are. We live in the new covenant where the Holy Spirit has filled us and we get to commune with God. But it wasn't that way when this psalm was written because God's presence was confined to the tabernacle and then to the temple, right? The, the, the entire worship of God in in. Israel was centered around the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence was, right? And so what we see here is we see someone who is far away from Jerusalem, who is far away and can't get back there for some reason, and is struggling because he longs to be in that place. He longs to gather with the believers to worship God again. And he can't in the same way because God's presence is not in the same manifest way with him on that mountain. That's how it was in those days. He didn't get to live in the new covenant like we do. So he, in a very real way, feels the absence of God and it's killing him. Because not, on, not only is he feeling the absence of God, he cannot, some, for some reason, he can't get back there and he has adversaries that are taunting him. So not only is he in a bad state, the people around him are now poking at him too. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that where you're just low, you just feel in the dirt, you've been kicked, and then the people around you need to poke at you and, and send these nasty questions at you. Um, uh, we don't talk about that often, but I, I'd say most people go through something like that. This is where this man finds himself. But he, his desire, his desire is not that his situation would change or that his adversaries would shut their mouths. His, his desire is for God himself. And I think that's a really good starting point for us today. 
in all our situations, in all our circumstances, whether in blessing, whether we feel like just shouting God's praises from the mountaintop, or whether we're really low, we start with this desire for God himself, because it's in him that our hope and our joy is found. In John chapter 4, this plays out a little bit uh, as Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and she asks him a question about where is the proper place to worship, because the Samaritans had their place set, their high place set to worship God, but it wasn't Jerusalem, and, and then and then in Jerusalem, that was the center place where you should worship God. And there was this bit of a tension and a culture war about where you should worship God going on. And Jesus, Jesus answered her and he said, the time is coming when you will not worship God on this mountain. I better read it because I don't have it exact. That's the, as far as I got memorized, apparently. Um, John chapter four. You don't have to flip there. You don't want. John chapter 4. The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So he says, these mountains, the day is coming where these mountains won't matter anymore. That's us, you guys. Praise the Lord. That we don't have to be, so, so in a sense, we can never fully enter into this psalm because we don't know what it is to actually be away from the presence of God in the same way and have no hope of getting back to it, right? So I just wanted to say, say that so we do proper work on this passage. Um, but there's a lot of really healthy things we can learn and how our hearts go out to God and how our hearts deal with being in this state, being in that place where you're, you're feeling like you want to, you know you should praise God, but you just can't get there. And your, your soul is cast down and you're in turmoil inside you. So much so that it feels like worse than broken bones, worse than a torn meniscus inside of you. I think we're getting it. So let's go through this passage together. Verse one and two. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is the question. When, should, when shall I come and appear before God? I miss you so much. I just want you. Have you ever had, maybe not for God, but certainly you must have some time in your life where you miss something or you miss someone and you just wonder, when can I get back to that place? When can I get back there? And for this person, it was, it was back to Jerusalem. It was back in the presence of God. That was his greatest treasure. Uh, it was like he was just absolutely parched for water, like a deer who is just desperately Needs. I don't know if you've ever heard a deer panting. It's actually like this wheezing, just it's this weird sound, and it's, it sounds uncomfortable. Um, it's a very uncomfortable place to be. See, we can go a long time without food, but we can't go a long time without water. 
that you, you need water and you need it soon. And that's how he's feeling. There's this desperation. I thirst for you, God. When am I going to get back here? You can see he doesn't have the answer. He doesn't have the answer. Maybe, maybe you feel that way sometimes. When is my heart going to smarten up and get back to this warm place again? He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Anybody ever been so down that you just can't even eat? Where you just, you, you, are, you are so distressed that you have no appetite at all? My tears have been my food day and night. Like, that's all I've got. That's all I've got right now. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? You're, you're just done. You're suffering you're far away from the place you want to be, and then the people around you accuse God. See, this line, where is your God, we, we, would, we would see this almost as a sarcastic because we live in an atheistic time where people just would say, there must not be a God. Look at this. Where's your God now? Um, but that wasn't the case. Um, everybody thought there was a God or multiple gods in, in the age when this was written. So what they were saying was, your God has abandoned you. Your God is no good. Your God has left you entirely. So they were, they were speaking against God and against the person, which goes even deeper to wound that person. That makes sense? Your God took off on you. What a useless God is what they were saying. So the psalmist says this, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. It's a, it sounds so dramatic. It is so dramatic. It's poetry. And it's okay if you're feeling dramatic inside, it's okay to pour it out to God. All right? I mean, know, know the right situation to do that. Like, don't, you don't just need to be a drama and, and space case all the time with all the people. But before God, absolutely, like just be raw and honest and find people in your life that you can do this with too. But these things I remember as I pour out my soul, there's nothing left. I'm just giving it all here. How I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So he's remembering his times in Jerusalem. And he's remembering not only was he a part of it, apparently he was a leader in it. And he, he was a worship leader. And so this person used to lead worship in Jerusalem through those massive festivals with tons and tons of people. And it was a, like these festivals are parties and praise unto God. It was an amazing time. I can think of times in my life where I have had the thoughts, oh, if only I could get back to that moment. Do any of you have those moments with God? Those moments where you felt so close with God and so connected to God's people that you say, oh, if only I could be there. If only I could get back there. I think of times in my living room where people are getting healed and we're worshiping and it's just absolutely mind-blowing the presence of God in that space. And I often think of that and say, ah, oh, I remember this. And now you can go one of two ways. There's really two options that you can go here. And I don't even know exactly the proper way to interpret this. So I'm going to give you both. You can say, I remember these things. 
And how I used to read this is I used to read this, I would go and I would worship and, and it was amazing. And my um, endless optimist would say, I'm going to get there again. That's how you can go. So he could be saying this to encourage himself. Remember those times? They were so good. Or you can go the other way and you could say, remember those times? This sucks so bad. I'm never going to get back there again. You can. You can go both ways on that. In fact, his current situation when thinking about the past can even make his current situation seem that much worse. I'm going to leave that up to you as to, because this is just a heart. This is just a heart cry to God. But I think, I think for me, I will take that as, yes, Lord, you, you did that, and I praise you for that, and I'm asking for that again. Not to create the same situation, but that you would be in that healthy place of praising God again. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. At this point, the psalmist starts talking to himself. He's addressed God. He's talked to God, and now he's addressing himself. Um, it's like he can see the issues in the heart and the feelings not lining up. He can see that he's in a low place, and, but yet he's gone far enough with the Lord that he can understand that the things he's feeling aren't always the truth, right? Anybody been there where you're feeling things that just aren't the truth? That's, that's kind of oftentimes what feelings are, <laughs> for me at least. Maybe you're way more emotionally healthy than me. Now, we're always trying to work on our emotional health, of course, but we feel things that aren't true. And so it, it's, it's like this. Despair will either talk to you in those moments or you can choose to talk to yourself. Like yourself can talk to you and, and define that situation in the negative way that you want to spin it and forget about God, or you can take captive what you know to be true despite your feelings, okay? We are not our feelings despite what the world would tell you today. We are not our feelings. We are not our feelings. I sit with, I've sat with many wise elderly people who have gone and especially when I'm in a hard situation or a hard phase of life, and every single one of them says, yeah, this happens, but guess what? It ends. It ends. And then, you, and then it's a season, and then you're okay for a while, and then the next thing hits. But the Lord grows you through it. And, and the more we recognize this, the more we get to stop in our feelings and say, why am I feeling like this? What is going on? Hope in God. You, self, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. It's like he's prophesying over himself. This is going to happen. I will praise him. I don't feel, which just must mean I don't feel like praising him now. I'm having a really hard time praising him right now, but I'm going to because he's my salvation and he's my God. He remembers those core pieces in that moment. He has to speak to himself as to speak to himself the truth of God, despite the feelings not lining up. Hope in God. You know, I do this often. I speak and I pray 
the promises of God to myself. I did it this morning. And I find that the greater glory ahead is way better than my present circumstance, and it can take me out of that place. It can take me out of that place in my present situation. Hope, hope in God. To hope means that it's not here yet, right? If it's here, then you're not hoping for it. It's just here. There's, there's going to be this time where we're waiting patiently in hope. He says, my soul is cast down within me. And at this point, we're like, we get it, man. We get it. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. So again, we've talked about that. He was way up north, and he was very far away from the, the place where he could go and properly worship God as a Hebrew. But he remembers God. He doesn't forget God. He doesn't forget, and he doesn't abandon his salvation and his God. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Again, I just imagine he's, this picture, and he's, he, it's, a, it's a word picture. It's poetry. Let's not forget, forget that. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. Sometimes the depth of your despair and the depth of your, of your suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, whatever it is, the depth of your suffering has to, you have to, out of that place, call out to God. And the depths of God answer. The depths of his grace and his mercy and his love answer at the roar of your waterfalls. It just, it's just this all-encompassing, all-consuming thing. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. In suffering, sometimes, has anybody had it where like, um, I'm going to use this and it's trivial, okay? I'm not actually super struggling with this right now, but I'm going to use it as an example because you might understand what this I'm talking about. I picture um, this ocean, right? I, I went to Tofino when I was uh, probably 12 and I tried surfing. If anybody has been to Tofino and tried surfing or anybody been in the ocean, the ocean is so powerful. And I fell off my surfboard and you can either try to go up over the wave or down way under the wave, but if you get caught in that wave, you're done. You are under the power of that wave and it just starts to spin you. And I remember falling off and just getting spun and you don't know which way is up and then panic sets in and then you get water up your nose and then you cry and it's embarrassing because you're a 12-year-old boy and then it's scary and it spits you up on the shore. Thankfully, it spits you up on the shore. <coughs> you're sputtering and coughing. And it's like you had like your house burned down and then insurance was just super crappy and then, and then you had to get, give away your dog and then people are mad at you for various reasons and then you go and break your knee just when you get home for summertime and, and it's like just, just pummeling you over and over and over again. That's why I said I'm not actually struggling that bad with it. But uh, it's those types of things. You know, you get in situations in life where those are funny things we can laugh about. But honestly, there's some hard things that it just seems like sometimes one after another. And you just try to, okay, that's up. And then slam, something else happens. That's, the, that's how this person was feeling in this time. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. I don't know how we're going to 
I don't know which way is up anymore. I don't know the answers. You'll notice he's asked some questions. He hasn't got an answer yet, other than he knows who God is. But he doesn't know why he's in the midst of what he's in the midst of. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. He has to speak the truth. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. In the midst of these waves tossing you over and over and over again, you can know this. God is who he says he is. We did, we did that, um, that series on the character of God so that in, no, in every situation and circumstance, you can know that God never changes. And where does he go here? He goes to how God described himself with steadfast love. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. I imagine where he was, he didn't feel like that was the case, but he knew that was the case. At night, at night, his song is with me. Isn't night just make it way worse? Like during the day, we can get busy doing things and be a little bit distracted, but it's when that head hits the pillow that things can just seem way worse. And then that self starts talking to you. Well, it's time for you then to talk back with the truth of God. But at night, when things are the worst, his song is with me, and it's a prayer to the God of my life. What a grace that God's song is a prayer. God gives us these songs even in the, in the middle of the night, in the darkest points that we can offer to him, and we can just cry it out. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? This is a point in the psalm where, where I time out. And I say, I say to God, my rock. That's like, mm, yeah, okay, good. We like that. That's theologically sound. That's great. You're standing on God, the rock. Certainly nothing's going to shake you. The very next line, why have you forgotten me? Is God your rock or did he forget you? What, what are you talking about here? Well, you can see he knows the truth, but he's not feeling it in that moment. Has God forgotten him? Has God forgotten him? Okay, thank you. It's really important that you answer that correctly. <laughs> no, God hasn't forgotten him. In the moment of your heart crying out, God does not need your theologically aligned statements to make sure your heart cries appropriate. Okay? We, we, we love getting right theology, but in those moments, you are allowed to just say, God, what is going on here? I feel like you forgot me. Why do I keep mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? What is going on here? I do not get it. And again, this line ends with no answer for him. He's just, he's just pouring it out to God. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Where is your God? The taunting continues and it hurts deeply. It hurts Sticks and stones may deadly wound my bones, and words stink and hurt. <laughs> All right? Where is your God, they say. 
He abandoned you. What did maybe, maybe the connotation, maybe, maybe the connotation is what did you do wrong that God would abandon you? The truth is, God didn't go anywhere. Last verse Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And that's where it ends. That's where this ends. With no answers for us, no answers for the psalmist, other than a brutally honest evaluation of his feelings before God, his distance from God, and a healthy way to speak to himself the truths and the promises of God. God is steadfastly loving him. God is the rock. God has not gone anywhere, even though he feels like it. Why are you cast down? Hope in God. Speak to yourself, hope in God. Don't give up. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We need that in our times and our low times. Maybe that's not you today, but I hope that you hear this psalm today. And when those times come, because they do come, you can, you can respond in a similar way. Despite your feelings, you can come and say, self, hope in God. He is your rock. He is your salvation. In this psalm, I want to point out a huge difference between someone who is going to stick it out with the Lord through sufferings and through trials I want to I show the difference between that kind of person and the person who's just going to say, forget this and walk away from the Lord altogether. Because the same circumstances hit you, whether no matter who you are. But there's, there's those two responses. You can stick it out with God despite how you feel, or you can say, forget this and walk away. The adversaries in this psalm accuse God by saying, where is God? But the psalmist, who I believe is going to come through this, simply acknowledges where he's at, and he says, why? Why, God? See, in asking why, we're totally allowed to ask why. Like, we are allowed to ask the question why. Why, God? Why are these things happening? And I've had moments in my life where in, in pain and in, in hard times, I've asked God why, and in his grace, he has graciously given me an answer. Sometimes it's to grow character. Sometimes it's to, well, it's, it's, I would argue it's always to grow character, but sometimes he just says, hey, I'm growing you in this. And then that's enough to continue in it. Sometimes there's different purposes. You need to ask God, why God? And if God doesn't give you an answer specifically, you need to continue to talk to yourself about who he is and talk to God and hope in God. The entire book of Job is this book about this man who suffered deeply. For time's sake, I don't have time to get into it, but go and read this book. Job had three buddies. Yeah, read the whole book. <laughs> this week, by the end of today, um, he, had, he was suffering. He had lost family. He was a man with fortune. He had lost it all. He was deeply suffering. He was personally affected with diseases. It was awful. He was suffering deeply. He had these three guys, these three buddies that came and offered advice to him where if you looked at each one's advice um, and, you just, and you didn't have the rest of the book to gauge it, you would look at it and say, that's reasonable. 
That, you might even say, that's wise advice. They were all different, all three different types of advice, but what the book does tell us is they were all dead wrong. Because God never said why. They all tried to come up with the why on their own, and they were all wrong. But God didn't tell Job why. When Job is at his end and asking why, God takes him and he shows him how big God is. In essence, he says, see the universe, see the stars, you see the world and all of the fine tunings that it has taken to make this thing work. Would you like to be the one who oversees all of this? See, because our worlds are so small compared to the infinite God of the universe. But we know one thing. He is good. He is steadfastly loving. And if we can't see it, it doesn't mean that, you're, that you need to try harder to see it. It means that we are people of faith. And we place our faith in the one God who alone will win in the end. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Job's choice was to be offended and curse God or simply trust the creator of the universe that he was going to be okay in the end as he remained faithful to God. And, and he did. God showed his massive sovereignty. So this psalm then that we just read, it's for those times that you just want to say, why God? It's for those times where you just want to say, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my friends? Why is this happening in the world? You speak to yourself the hope of God, the promises of God. You're honest with him. You remember his good and great promises. You remember those core parts of his character. That's why being in his word and getting to know God is so important for these times. You allow who God is to define your circumstance not the other way around. Your circumstance and your experience doesn't tell you who God is. God has been and always will be the same. And you look at your circumstance through that lens, through him. But all in all, you begin with verse one as a follower of God. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. God, I want you, nothing but you, God. In your presence, God, I want to be with you. Adversaries were taunting him. He was stuck far away from home. There was enemies assailing him. He was probably hiding out in the wilderness if he was at Mount Hermon. He doesn't ask God for deliverance from all of that. What's greater to him is not deliverance from the present circumstance, but I need you, God. I need you. It's okay to cry out for deliverance, right? We pray for situations and circumstance, but it starts with this heart's desire for God and God alone and knowing that he alone will satisfy. Because he could be delivered from his enemies, but if he's still far from God, it's not going to be good enough. Because you'll still be absolutely parched for thirst because God is the only one that can satisfy. He's the only one that can satisfy. As you delight in simply knowing God, the sufferings, I want to be sensitive here, yet I want the word to speak for what the word is. 
your sufferings can seem smaller, can seem tiny compared to knowing God. And you can know, just like endless advice has told me from many wise people, as well as the saints of old, as most importantly what Scripture says, that this will pass. You remember the psalmist said, I remember when I used to go to Jerusalem and it was a party and we were worshiping God and I was leading worship. It was awesome. You remember that? Well, see, we can, we can be in danger of thinking those were the glory days. Those were the glory days. Those were the good days. That's where my heart was alive. Maybe your heart was alive. But I want you to know today, no matter what good glory days you've had here on earth, the glory days, the most glorious days are coming in eternity. And it will not end. It will not end. It is far greater than any high or glory that you could experience here, although we praise him for those. It, a day is coming, and those are the glory days. Don't look back and say, oh, I remember back when. I remember when people were getting healed in my living room. You know what? One day, nobody's going to have any physical issues. <laughs> nobody's going to have any heart issues. Those are going to be the glory days. Amen? we got to remember that. And so we go forward in hope. The Apostle Paul, he suffered immensely as you read the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, you see it. He suffered immensely, almost dead many times as he ministered to the Gentile churches. And yet he, that person who suffered more than I will ever know, I imagine, he says, for this light momentary affliction, like being whipped within an inch of your life is a light momentary affliction to him. Being shipwrecked is a light momentary affliction to him. Okay, this isn't just because this is the Apostle Paul. It's because he knows who God is, okay? And he knows what's coming. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Hallelujah. Hope in God, because the glory days are coming. The glory days are coming. I'm so glad for that. As we close today, I just want to leave you with, there's so many passages in Scripture that we can speak to ourselves in these moments. Maybe even just, this is just a proactive time where I want to leave you just with some specific verses from Romans chapter 8. That when you are in that place of, why are you cast down on my soul? Instead of saying, God, where are you? Maybe you could be in a place where you can say, why God, with sincerity, but you can stand on these truths. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's crazy. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So in that, you say, wow, I'm a child of God. I'm a fellow heir with Christ. I don't even know what that means. That's insane. And suffering's an expectation. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him because the glory days are coming. So don't be surprised by suffering. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things. It doesn't say the good stuff. 
says, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Next time you're going through those situations, remember these things. You can say, God, I don't feel this. That's fair. I don't feel this, but I know this. Speak that to yourself. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So when you're feeling like, God, do you even love me? Yes. You might not feel it in the moment. Don't listen to that. Remember these things. You're a child of God, a co-heir with Christ. That he loves you and nothing can take that away. That he is with you. His spirit lives in you. Remember those things in those moments and be honest and cry out. Let him know where you're at. You can ask him why and be content with his answers. You know, we're going to sing a song to close today. I'll invite the worship team up. And uh, I'd ask Chris to play this song. Uh, we've sung it here for many years. It's called I Will Follow. And it's a strange song in, in a modern worship sense because it talks, about, it talks about the good and it praises God. And it talks about the bad, and praises God. And it says in all of it, we're going to follow him. So in light of this psalm, let's sing this as a commitment to the Lord, as a commitment to the Lord that when it feels like I cannot praise you, I will say that you are good and I will follow you anyway, because he's worthy and he will take you through it. You will end up in a good place because the glory days are coming. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who knew suffering himself, though he was God. I thank you for the love that you've shown us time and time again, and that each thing that we go through is a season. And even if it lasts a lifetime, it is a, a blip in comparison to eternity. So Lord, may these words be our commitment, our commitment to you, for our lifetime, for eternity, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.